Welcome to OB Boss Babes, where we showcase female entrepreneurs, working professionals, community builders, and local makers and creators. Our podcast is all about babe supporting babes, learning about community builders, and of course, female empowerment. Get inspired to the only podcast in the Ottawa Valley that showcases local babes in our community and join our tribe of boss babes where everyone is welcome. Looking for something to do? Come explore the communities throughout Mississippi Mills. Whether you're in Almont, Appleton, Blakeney, Clayton, Ramsey, or Pakenham, you will find the natural culture and heritage aspects combined with friendly people, unique shops, and amazing restaurants that will fill your visit with an incredible experience. Check out our Mississippi Fun Guide where you can learn about our history, explore the outdoors, parks and trails, learn more about local festivals and events, and find some tasty local eateries throughout the area. In Mississippi Mills, there's a smile around every corner and we always have time for company. Come for an hour, a day or a week, we'll make sure you'll want to return again and again. All right. Well, today I'm joined by Anne Shea of Mill Street Bookstore in Almont. Anne, good morning. Good morning, Holly. It's nice to be here. And so you have to tell me the story about how someone with a chemical engineering degree and background working in the process automation industry, a wife and mother of three kids comes to owning a bookstore in downtown Elmont. It was a actually a day in August 2019 when my worlds uh, kind of collided. So I was um, uh, traveling up to Temiskaming to visit a pulp and paper customer you know, for my old career. And my sister lives up in the valley. And she said, why don't you stop here on the way home? And uh, we'll take Friday off and go shopping in Almont because my sisters, uh, they, they live in the Ottawa area and they often get together to shop in Almont. So I did. I um, we, we went to Almont on that Friday in August and uh, had a really nice day, visited all the shops. And I had wanted to visit the bookstore. My daughter had visited, um, had ordered some books there once during the pandemic. And she told me how cute it was. And I went in and I just spent so much time there. And I, I just had such a great vibe from the place. So I started following them uh, on Facebook, which I, you know, I have 20 friends on Facebook. I'm not on Facebook that much, or I wasn't. Um, and uh, lo and behold, a couple of months later, they the owners, Mary and Terry, had a post that the business was for sale. And I was at a crossroads, I think, in, in my career. And, you know, the pandemic caused me to relook at many things in my life. And um, and I thought to myself, oh, is this something that I could do? You know, own, own a bookstore in a small town. I've always loved bookstores and I've always... Uh, wanted to do something different as a second act in my life. And and then so I responded to their Facebook ad and sent them an email and went to meet them. And lo and behold, I, I got the opportunity to buy the business from them. Everything seems to have fallen into your lap. Serendipity, as your curiosity and interest with the bookstore aligned so perfectly with that spark inside of you that ignited your decision to move forward, right? Yes. But- and it was during the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you think it was the right time to purchase a business? Well, you know, I, I don't know that it was the, the greatest time to, to purchase a business per se. But for me, um, you know, at this point in my life, um, I I was, you know, really wanting to, to, 
to start figuring out what, what I wanted to do next. And, um, I had kind of decided that I was going to move on from my job. I felt like I had reached a, uh, you know, the level where I wanted to reach in the, in my company. And I had managed a, a business unit and had a team that, you know, I kept together during the pandemic and, and, uh, grew the business significantly over the, the years that I was there, but I just, um, there was something missing and, you know, I don't know the timing was the best, but it, it worked out for me to be a good time to, to make a change. Yeah. Well, how long did you sit on your decision before signing that paperwork? Well, you know, it all happened very fast. Um, after I met Mary and Terry, uh, you know, I, I remember seeing their post. It was thanks. It was like the weekend before Thanksgiving in October. And I, you know, I talked to my husband about it. I said, you know, is this, is this something that you think that I could do, you know, that we could do? Could I, you know, could we, could I make this work? And he, um, he supported the decision, uh, but, you know, it was my, it was going to be my uh, project kind of on, on my own to do. And so um, I, I sent them an email, went to meet them in person. And then, you know, they saw that I was serious. <laughs> I, uh, I sold myself, I think, as someone who would um, carry on their legacy and, and um, you know, cherish what they had already created. And uh, so from, you know, from the time I made the offer, that was like November, we finalized it in December. And then I took ownership in uh, Valentine's Day. So uh, in 2020, right when we, we got to we got to be open for a week, and then we closed down until June, right with the lockdown. So mm -hmm. it was, it was in a way it was not it was a good thing that it was during the pandemic, because that slowness of, you know, everything being stopped, people not being able to come into the shop. Um, it really allowed me to to learn things uh, at my own pace. I still had my engineering job, which I was doing part-time. So it, it allowed me the time to transition, I think, uh, more smoothly to into the new role. Even though like when I was driving, because I, I live in Montreal and I was taking the 417 and I had to be stopped by the cops every week to, you know, why, why was I leaving the province, right? Going from Quebec to Ontario every week for my business. So. You know, it just right. seems so crazy in hindsight how things were at that time. Yeah. Now, did you ever second guess yourself, though, after after purchasing the business and then having to close your doors a week after you opened? No, no, I, I never I never second guess my decision. I, I always felt like it was the right decision and just... Um, you know, I, I knew that it, it might take time to to get to learn. I knew it was going to take some time for me to learn everything. But I know I never uh, I don't usually look back and second guess decisions that I make. I always try to look forward and um, plan what I can do to make it a success. So I, I never had one regret, you know, in the three years that I've been there now, never had one regret and I never looked back and second guessed myself. I, I know that it was the right thing for me to do at that time. Now, not only did you get the keys from Mary and Terry when they handed over the, uh, the ownership to you, yeah. but you also, you also inherit the history 
of yes. the building and the bookstore. So can you share with me and my listeners a little bit about the history of Mill Street Books? Yes, it's really a wonderful history. Almont is just a wonderful small town. And I feel like I'm care- I'm the caretaker of an institution that, as I just learned, has been there for 25 years. So in October, it'll mark 25 years of having a bookstore in Almont. It, uh, the, the store was started by a couple, Chris and Jill, who, um, and they, they did their research back 26, 27 years ago. They did a lot of research at that time. They looked at towns all over Southern Ontario and Eastern Ontario they, to look for a place that could sustain a bookstore and they chose Almont. So they opened the store under the name, The Miller's Tale on Mill Street. Uh, After a certain number of years, Mary Lumsden worked for Chris on a part-time basis. And then when he decided to sell Mary and Terry, her husband had the opportunity to buy it. By then it was called Mill Street Books. And so they operated it for another 10 or 12 years. And then uh, that's who I uh, was fortunate enough to meet and to buy the business from, the Lumsdens. So why did they end up selling their beloved business? Well, Terry um, is a retired teacher, and uh, I think they just, you know, owning owning a business is not really, as I'm finding, it's not a retirement job. <laughs> it's it's a, a tremendous amount of work, and I think after a while, they, they wanted to uh, be able to enjoy true retirement uh, as a couple, so they decided, you know, the timing was right for them to step away from that. And they wanted to sell the the building and the business. And they wanted um, to ensure continuity that the new owner would keep it as a bookstore. So they vetted, uh, you know, they vetted prospective buyers. And uh, lucky for me, I was fortunate enough enough to, to, you know, be accepted. (laughs) And I can already like kind of feel the little nudge from my listeners saying, Holly, don't forget to like acknowledge like their dream team name, Mary and Terry. Like... (laughs) Oh yeah, I never and, hear that. That's amazing. They're wonderful, <laughs> very wonderful couple. All right. So, did you have any former experience working for a local business, let alone an independent bookstore? In no, not not None. at all. No, I I had experience as a book buyer, <laughs> you know, a book lover. Um, all, since a very young age, I've always. Uh, gone to bookstores. You know, I grew up in Aylmer on the Quebec side. There was a little bookstore then. I would take my bike and go and spend my babysitting money on books. And I've um, I visited a lot of, you know, uh, epic bookstores uh, around North America, but ne- I really bring zero qualifications from a book selling standpoint. So I had a very steep learning curve, you know, other than my love for books. Um, and, and my experience running, you know, a team and, a you know, forecasting sales and so on. And I, I worked in a sales environment in my old job, but it was completely different. It was industrial sales and very, very, very different uh, world. So, no, I, I, I had a tremendous amount to learn in the new role. Now, Anne, it's really funny every time I talk to another business owner and they say, especially one that's coming from the corporate world or from a full-time job, and they say to me, 
I really thought that, you know, there was a shift in my career. I was looking for something different, kind of, you know, wanted to dip into retirement a little bit. So I decided to purchase a business. And like you were saying earlier, it takes a tremendous amount of work. And it was a real wake up call for you, wasn't it? Being like, wait a second, this is a lot to under, like, this is a big undertaking. It, It was really huge. And uh, lucky, lucky for me, I had very good and patient um, trainers like Mary. When when I bought the business from her, we had an agreement in place that, you know, she was going to train me. And uh, the bookseller who worked there at the time, Debbie, was a, a, a wonderful, super smart lady who knew everything about books, too. And so they really shared their knowledge with me a lot. And um, I, I brought on board my daughter, uh, Julia, for the first few months to uh, because I wasn't there all the time. I was still at my other uh, role in Montreal. So Julia uh, learned, you know, the, the software and the operating system very quickly. And, you know, it all it all kind of came together. But you can't just do these things alone. Right. It's mm-hmm. important to have mentorship um, when you're transitioning into the new role. And then as the new person, it's important to build your build your new team, build your team, um, because you can't do everything just by yourself. You know, it, it's really important to surround yourself with people who have the skill sets that you don't, you know, complementary, uh, complementary skills is, is I learned that, you know, way, way back. That's really important in life to surround yourself with people who are great at the things that you're not so great with. And that's a really great trait to learn very early on in entrepreneurship because we really think that we could do it all and that we don't need mentors or we don't need help and that we could do it all ourselves. And I'm even sure that friends and family have even said to you, oh, I mean, you own a bookstore. Like, that's easy. All you need to learn about is the newest book releases that are coming out and just be a just be a fan of books in general. And you just probably look at them being like, yeah, okay, you try doing it for a day. <laughs> You know, one of the things that kind of shocked me was the uh, the manual labor involved in, in this job, the boxes and the papers and the lifting and dusting and cleaning, you know, like that, that whole back office stuff was, uh, was, I, I felt really good, you know, after sitting on my butt for months during the pandemic to, to get out there and do a physical job, that, that was good to be in, um, face-to-face with people again when that was allowed that was another plus but yeah it's there's no we don't just sit around and read the books and chat with people it's a pretty fast actually a fast-paced environment when you come to think about it yeah and and you shared with me actually off the podcast that Sylvie Neville, the owner of Picket Fence and Renfrew, is your cousin. Yes. So I'm curious if you kind of picked her brain a little bit about the business world and entrepreneurship prior to you embarking on your own path. Yes. Well, you know, she is she has been such a great role model uh, to all her cousins. <laughs> um <laughs> Just, you know, she she just uh, knew what she wanted to do at a very young age. And when she started her businesses at age, like in her early 20s, um, she really created something out of out of nothing. Right. Uh, And to to be able to keep that going for 25 plus years, I'm just like in awe. So I know that uh, I know that she. You know, she has. She often talks about the team that that surrounds her and and uh, and supports her in her role, and and I think that that's something that I found in in my new role that 
it's really important to have uh, a great team around you to to help your business thrive and to take care of customers the way that you want them taken care of. I think that our culture is kind of shifting a little bit too in our mindset that the hustle and the grind is not cool anymore. It's not a trend anymore. It's it's better to have a team of people to help you to be able to balance your your books and your and your productivity and just just the day-to-day tasks that you have on your plate. It's the hustle and the grind and the crazy stress that comes along with being a business owner. It's just, it's so much better to outsource and have people in your corner versus you doing it all on your own. And I love, I love just chatting about this and knowing that people are, uh, are doing this right away and learning that instead of reaching the point of burnout later right. on. Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, I agree. And, you know, your help can come from many different and unexpected places. Like for myself, I was very new to social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. Um, I really started from scratch. And but, you know, my kids, my daughters, right, they uh, they they have a certain amount of savviness in that area. And you can, you know, as a an older person, my kids teach me a lot, you know, they're in their 20s, they're so smart. And, you know, that's just one example of things that uh, I was able to tap into the savviness of the younger generation to help me with uh, that aspect. So Anne, we're living in a fast-paced digital era where change is the continuous innovation of technology and the rise of ebooks and audiobooks are more convenient, they're more portable, they're cost-effective, and of course they're environmentally friendly. Now, do you think that with the ability to quickly access digital libraries and have books at our fingertips will eventually replace paper books completely and, and they will become obsolete? No, like I, I think that... Um... There's room for multiple technologies and traditional to coexist together. Um, you know, just just the way that um, you know how how does it work with having a library and a bookstore in the same town? You know, why would people want to buy books when they can just go to a library and take them out? Um, the same with ebooks, with audiobooks. Um, I think that uh, people want to consume material in a different way, um, and you know. Uh, I think that there's there's room for for all of these technologies to coexist together. I I think that you know when you look back, um, like with children's books, for example, you know what is there a better gift for a child than you know or a better experience for a child than to sit there with a physical book with their grandparents or their parents and then you know treasure that book their whole life, bring it with mm-hmm. them to college or whatever. You know, I think that um, a, a lot of people continue to give books as gifts, and I, I just don't think it's the same cachet of giving, you know, an audiobook file or whatever. Like, I, I think that there's there's a way for all of the types of materials to coexist uh, and thrive. I completely agree with you on that, especially relating to to children in that regard. Yeah. My daughter has such a huge love for books and I hope that that love never disappears and goes away because we know every Eric Carle book and Goodnight Moon and I there's so many more that I can't even think of Dr. Seuss books. Like those are classics for a reason and what better gift to be able to give a child than um than a story that they can physically hold in their hands. Like 
you don't see pictures of people of, or of parents, you know, reading, reading to their kids off a of Kindle, like growing up, like you want that, you want that library to showcase in their room and, and for them to fall in love, fall in love with books, like the classic way, not on yeah. a Kindle. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sold on that obviously, but I, I agree. I think that there's, there's a place for, uh, for everything. Mm-hmm. Now, how are you showcasing your bookstore, though, Anne, to encourage people to visit Mill Street Books and and find that perfect book instead of adding Prince Harry's ebook to their Amazon checkout order? One of the things, you know, when I walked into that store for the first time, I there was a vibe. There was a positive vibe of being in a bookstore, and I think the 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 bookstore is the community hub for a lot of people. It's, you know, that that second place or that third place where people gather, you know, they have their family, they have their work and in society, you have a third place could be a coffee shop. It could be Tim Hortons, but for some, it's the bookstore, you know, by by having a welcoming, inclusive environment, striking up the most interesting conversations with our regular customers who come in on a, you know, on a on a regular basis, have something interesting to show them, to talk to them about, to learn, you know, their recommendations and so on. Like it's really a two-way conversation, right? When it comes to, to choosing books and so on. I think another thing that, that I've done is, uh, is hold events um, in conjunction with the library. So we have a wonderful library in Almont, the Mississippi Mills Public Library, and they have been a great partner, both the library and the friends of the library in terms of, um, providing the space and the process of these events. So I think the, you know, there's a lot of community minded people. Uh, what, what I was so pleasantly surprised by uh, the number of people who come out to these events, whether it's an up and coming author. Uh, we did some books and beverage sessions at Ottawa Valley Coffee across the street. Uh, right to to having you know bestsellers like Heather O'Neill and Elizabeth Hay come to the library for book signings and, and author nights. Um, I think that uh, you know there's different ways to draw people into the business, and I think by positioning ourselves as the hub of the community, you know, a cultural place where writers and readers can come together and share ideas and get recommendations. I, I think that we you know we can build it up holistically that way. Well, especially after the past three years when we've all been at home in isolation. I know we keep talking about this constantly, but people are still looking for that human connection, yeah. that in-person community aspect where we want to gather, we want to meet, we want to we want to talk, we yes. want to socialize. We don't want to be doing it like virtually. We're, no. we're virtualed out. It's true. And, you know, there, there are, you know, Almont's a community of you know, established people who have been there a long time, but there are a lot of newcomers to, to the town as well. And, you know, for people who arrived during the pandemic, they have had very few opportunities to get out and meet their neighbors, right? So by at a book event, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're going to meet like-minded people, right? You're there mm-hmm. to hear about from an author that you, that you know and love, and you're, you're just going to be surrounded by like-minded individuals at opportunities like that. So it's been really fun to, to do that and to feel the support of the community in person and get the feedback, you know, the joy that it brings uh, for them to see their friends and neighbors out. It's, it's been, that, that has felt really rewarding. No, Anne, I'm one of those people that use that 
that excuse that I don't have time to read. I'm a busy mom. I'm a busy entrepreneur. I've got a ton of priorities and other tasks that take place that I've got on my shoulders. And it goes it goes right hand in hand with, I don't have time to work out too. So how can we shift our mindset though, and to prioritize reading and carve time to get back to indulging in a good read? Well, you know, I think first of all is acceptance. (laughs) You have to accept the fact that at certain stages of your life, you're not going to have that, that much time to read. Like I've, I've been there myself, you know, through the the decades of uh, working full time and raising small kids and, after school activities. So first of all, don't be hard on yourself that you don't have time to read. But, um, you know, I think one, one thing that got me back into reading is short stories and essays. So, you know, maybe a, a 400 page novel is too, is too much to, you know, too much pressure to put that on yourself, but why not start with a short story collection or a book of essays about, you know, the, uh, whether they're fiction or reflection or self-help or, you know, topics that interest you. First of all is find, find a subject that interests you and then dive into it, it, you know, little, little by little. So I think short stories is, um, they don't sell that well, I would say in the bookstore, but as a genre, it's, it's a way to kind of deep dip your feet in and, um, and learn and uh, get acquainted with some new voices. So uh, then, you know, I, we all spend time, whether, you know, there's been so much binge watching of TV shows and so much scrolling time um, during the day, like maybe just check your stats for scrolling on your phone, <laughs> right? Like everyone does Absolutely. that now. Absolutely, and so we've got to keep ourselves in check. <laughs> take a half hour from that scrolling time to put it towards me time with with the book. Yes, great reminder. Thanks for tuning into the OV Boss Babes podcast. We will be back after we hear from our sponsors. So stick around. Are you ready to change your relationship with money and live the life you really want to live? Then Sand Dollars Prosperity Circle Group Program is for you. This program is for women who want to start feeling more confident about their future and be financially empowered. Learn more at sanddollar.co or send Pamela an email at pamela at sanddollar.co. The maple syrup capital of Ontario, Lanark County is made up of small towns, cottage communities, and beautiful hilly landscapes. Only an hour drive southwest of Ottawa, the area has become a popular day trip destination for many locals and visitors from the nation's capital. Amid the beauty, there is so much to do and see with museums, historic landmarks, shops of many kinds, delightful dining, and outdoor opportunities for adventure. This region is known as a shopping and staycation destination all year long. While you explore Lanark County, be sure to stop in at one of the many sites along the Maple Trail. Each destination on the Build Your Own Maple Adventure offers a chance to enjoy the truly Canadian delicacy of maple syrup with restaurants, cafes, sugar camps, shops, and events. To learn more all about what there is to see and do in Lanark County, visit the area's tourism website at www.lanarkcountytourism.com.
Let's get back to the OV Boss Babes podcast with our guest, Anne Shea from Mill Street Books in Almont. Now, Anne, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you make, I mean, along with all these other questions, do you make time to read? Yes. Yes, I do. Especially now, you know, the pressure is on. People come into a bookstore and sometimes they expect you to have read a lot of the books that are on the front tables, a lot of the new releases and so on. So yes, I do make it part of my, um, part of my weekly plan to, you know, I set some goals on how many books I wanted to read this year and I'm ahead of schedule with that. And I've also discovered audiobooks. So um, there's, you know, there's no audio. Listening to books is similar to reading books. And there's a, an audiobook provider called Libro FM that is a, a private company around the world. They're set up around the world that work in conjunction with independent bookstores like mine. So if you set up and get yourself set up on Libro FM and buy audiobooks, uh, will get a small amount for each of the books that you buy. But what I have found with the jar- the driving that I do, I, uh, I I used to like listening to the tunes and my radio and so on. But now I'm I'm using that driving time, especially to uh, to listen to audiobooks. I find it very productive and interesting and a good way to uh, to you know increase the number of books that I can read in a month. Now tell me about some of the books that you carry, whether they be new and trending or books that you've stumbled across in your bookstore that you just can't stop recommending to people. Yeah. Well, you know, what one of the one of the joys of having the bookstore has been the relaunch of the book club. So the, the through the book club, I uh, I not only get to suggest books, but I I the other members of the club suggest the books that they want to read as well. And that has been a really opening up experience to read uh, some fiction that you would not typically read, right? Like um, my, the type of books that I like tend to be more like literary fiction, but I've read some fantasy and I've read some a lot more historical fiction. And next month we're going to read um, uh, nonfiction on assisted uh, dying so I, I think that uh, the book club is one way to to um, immerse yourself in, in different environments. One thing that I've tried to carry are more Indigenous books for, for children and for adults. So we, um, Five Little Indians was, you know, uh, one of our book club picks that I think every Canadian should read. It's by Michelle Good. And I think it's it was just, very, it's always very timely to uh, to learn about residential schools, whether it's through a fiction, a work of fiction, or, you know, a nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have to ask you, too, have you read Prince Harry's Spare book yet? I did not read that book. No. I, no, I I felt like there was so much media about that book, and, and he did so much television, and um, I read about the book so much and heard about it so much that I I felt like I... I um, I kind of knew what the content was, like I got all the highlights and I felt like, no, I, I, I did not um, want to read that. I, I did not read that book. It, that book led to many really interesting conversations in the shop. Uh, I, I, I was fascinated by the different reactions to that book. And it was really, uh, really fun to talk to people about the book. 
I, yeah, I you love got the that. Coles notes from all of your yes, customers. Yes. So you don't even need to read it. <laughs> no. And I love that experience. I think it was, uh, you know, it was very enlightening and, um, and it was great. It, it was a really great experience to talk about the book, even not happily, you know, I admit I did not read that book. <laughs> Now, I know you kind of mentioned about your book club with so many people flocking to Mill Street Books to uh, to engage in the book the book community and uh, and dedicated book lovers know that the bookish and I guess that's what they're called. I never realized that they're called bookish, the bookish community, which is a strong and dedicated one. So is there an actual book club? that you guys offer to people or is there like, is there an online group on social media? Like give us a scoop with that. Oh, okay. No, we, we, uh, at the bookstore, we have a, like a, 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 you know, we're brick and mortar and we have a live in-person book club. So it's, it started very small. It really started three or four people and, uh, grew, you know, still it's a book of the month club. So people can opt in and opt out based on their interest in the book. But there's a core group that uh, that keeps going. So we're now in the third summer of it. And um, it's, you know, it's it's fun. It's multi-generational. It's uh, people from their 20s to their 70s. So far, it's been all women, although we had one guest appearance <laughs> with a male that we, re- you know, we really want to get a different, as many perspectives as possible on yeah. the books. So uh, we try to, you know, we try to... Um, choose interesting books that will draw in a variety of different people. And, uh, it, and it's been really fun. And I would say that, you know, we're, we're just one book club in the area. The previous owner, Mary still has her book club. Um, there are, there's a book club in Carlton place that, uh, that buys many other books at the shop. So it's really fun to see, uh, that, you know, that book clubs are continuing to thrive. Mm-hmm. And TikTok, apparently, when I was doing my research, and it's also taking the book industry by storm called Book Talk, which is like trending on TikTok. And it's apparently sent old books back to the top of the bestseller list and has helped launch the careers of new authors. So it's Book Talk is a community of users on TikTok who post videos reviewing and recommending books, and it's boomed in popularity over the past year. So did you know that this was trending on TikTok? Not when I booked this, not when I bought the store. No, not. And I think, you know, it's kind of maybe in 2019, 2020, that the whole revolution of book talk got started, you know, with, (laughs) with the, uh, the rise in TikTok. Uh, but it is really cool. Like I, I think that it is uh, bringing in a whole new readership to books it's um it it it's putting the highlight putting the focus on uh what may just seem to be random books right that you might be surprised that you know millions and millions of people are are reading these books but they're enjoying them they're talking about them they're um uh improving readership overall they're helping booksellers like me to to uh to grow our business so I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fun. I think it brings in a younger customer to the, uh, to the store. I think it's um, like, I have responded by revamping a little romance section. Like a lot of the books tend to be fantasy or romance. And a lot of the book talkers are, 
uh, women, you know, from 15 to 35, that's kind of the demographic. So that that's, that's wonderful to see more young people in the shop. I love it. And I, I want to, you know, kind of keep my ear out there, keep my, I follow books to grammars. Um, I, I try to follow kind of the hot new ones that are, that are coming so that when we, uh, when they come into the shop, whether they're visiting from Ottawa or out of town, they'll see that, that we, uh, we, we keep up with the trends and we, we have it in stock. We try as much as possible, you know, to get that weekend shopper who, who's coming to Almond yeah. to, to visit the beautiful street. We want them to find the book that they're looking for as well. And often it's the visitors from out of town who are, who are, um, looking for those book talk, uh, picks, which is, it's awesome. It's really wonderful. I love it. Well, you know what I would like to see trending on TikTok or on book talk is BC Andrews. Like let's, let's revitalize flowers in the oh, attic one more time here. You, you know, you, you just never know the, uh, look yeah. at the babysitters club and yes, you know, right. the younger generation. And I think they made a, there's a graphic novel for sweet Valley high, which I think, you know, oh, people we're maybe really throwing it back now yeah, into the eighties. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I mean, look at all the nostalgic things that are coming back. Like, I mean, Babysitter's Club, Goosebumps, yeah. like that made a reappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, Roald Dahl books. I'm trying to think what else came back. Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, like when they were doing that. Archie comic, like everything. Yes. Us 80s and 90s kids, we're really bringing things back. Barbie obviously yeah. is trending. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they're going to have more Barbie books out. Like the fact that they can really, um, what's the word? Like they can really commercialize on it. They're influ- like real life influencers, yeah. right? Yes. That, uh, that are, that have a say in, in what's appearing on the New York Times bestselling list. And it's, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful to, um, that you know, everyday people can influence uh, what other people are 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 buying and reading. It's fantastic. All right, Anne. Let's talk about how retail chains dominate this industry. Your constant competition, and it's a difficult and challenging barrier that you, as a business owner, have to face every single day. Not to mention competing, like we talked about, with the online ebook revolution. So why should our communities be supporting our local bookstores first instead of heading to chapters or online on Amazon? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, let's have the reckoning that Amazon is trying to kill bookstores by using books as their lost leader, right? That's how that company got started with basically giving away books to attract people to their website and now sending people to the moon with the profits and, and so on. So um, I, you know, I think that um, there's there's probably been a, a nice reckoning during the pandemic around shopping local in general. That your your local your local shops uh, pay taxes in your community. They they donate to charities in your community. Like a couple of times a year, we we hold blind date with a book events where all the funds that we raise go to local charities whether it's the uh, Lanark County Interval House or the Seven Gifts Project in, in Almont, like we, we are raising funds for people in the community. We, we do our, we buy our products in the community. You know, my printing and all of that stuff that I get done is in the community. I support the local newspaper, The Hum. Uh, I, pro- you know, local businesses like us provide jobs in the community, whether it's our 
staff or our bookkeeper or, you know, whatever we outsource, it, it's, it stays in the community. And I think there's a lot of statistics around that, which you probably have a better handle on than I even have, but just that the, the whole um, community mindedness of, you know, thinking about where your money is going and what impact it's going to have. And when, when you take a minute and talk to people about it, you know, I, I have had customers say, oh, well, why should I buy it here? And when I explain it to them, they're like, oh, you're, you know, you're right. I, I didn't think about that. And I think that just people, sometimes people just don't realize it, right? They're not thinking about it. And when you present it to them, you know, in a factual way, they're like, oh yeah, I, I would rather spend my money that way, you know, than, than maybe save two or $3 and get it at, on the big book table at Costco or go online and ordering it from Amazon. So I think when people reflect on it and are more conscious about how they're spending their dollars, they uh, they will you know quickly realize and agree that it, it's it's worth it to support your local your local institutions if you want them to stay around right don't just compliment them when they come in it's important to to support them through action whether it's a book or a card or you know whatever you might need um, uh, it's the actions that uh, that we appreciate. And you'd be surprised too, Anne, how much people really enjoy that personal transaction piece of it. Because when you're getting that Amazon order delivered to your door, sure, there's that convenience. But that FedEx guy does not give a rat's ass about what is in that package. You handing that book over, smiling and saying, thank you for supporting a local author, maybe, but supporting my local business, supporting me, my passion, my family, my dream. Yeah. That goes a long way. Right. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, you know, we're, we're lucky. I think we're really lucky to be in, in this town that, you know, you, they, people in the town want to live in a town that has a bookstore and to, to make that happen, they come out and support us big time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other part of our business comes from, from visitors where, you know, if you're going to come to a town, there's got to be more than one place to visit. Right. So it's important mm -hmm. for the whole street to be thriving, not just one shop so the that uh, that infrastructure is there and it's strong and it's fun to be part of yeah I, I like what you said every every rural community every small town needs a bookstore yeah it, it has well, to be there <laughs> <laughs> I think so you and I kind of talked about the different perks of owning a bookstore, which which would include, I would assume, you know, some free books and you get to see all the latest books that are that are coming out. You get like basically the first look into them if you wanna if you wanna take a sneak peek, author encounters, and then of course, like you mentioned earlier, hosting book reading events. Yeah. But what has been what has been the most rewarding part about owning Mill Street Books so far? The by, by far and wide, the most rewarding part has been the opportunity to meet to meet the people who come into my shop that has been a gift that I didn't even realize that I needed you know um the the share everyone's got a story everyone's got such an interesting background and just to be able to have those conversations with people getting to know new people uh getting to meet you know, the, these people who have such interesting backgrounds that you slowly kind of discover based on the, their interests and the types of books that they're buying, you know, like I always, 
ask them in a way like, why are you buying this? Or but and so you uncover just this fascinating background that people have had, right? Like their career history or their lives or their stories with their children and so on. So that has been just a, a privilege to to get to know to get to know the people who come into my shop. It's been just wonderful to become acquainted with so many nice, interesting, wonderful people. Well, Anne, you said that everyone's got a story. Yeah. And we've had the privilege of learning yours during oh, this interview you. now. But <laughs> if you could write the prologue note in your story, in your story, whether it be your entire journey of, of Anne Shea or even just of being a business owner, what would it say? That's that's a tough one, Holly. Like, I, I don't know that, like, I'm not much of a writer. I don't write. I'm a reader. But I think words that uh, back in my old job, my my boss had asked me to come up with my um, like a statement that described what I wanted to do. And I, I worked hard on that. And I think one thing that, you know, in the second act of my life that I want to do is to to lift others. So I there's a quote, we rise by lifting others that I, I, I keep in the back of my mind. I, I bought a pillow with it on it. I had some signs made with it. And I just feel that it's good words to live by in life in general. And, um, it, you know, the bookstore is like a platform, I guess, a, a part of the community, the hub of the community. And it's, it's not going to be successful or it's not going to be fun if, if you're just doing it by yourself. So I think it's really important to, to lift others with you. And that's, whether it's, you know, the types of books that we bring in, the independent publishers or uh, the appeal that we have by, by having, you know, non-conforming kind of books in, in place. Like I, I just hope that, that I can lift others along the way. That, that is what's, what will be very satisfying about this, uh, this second part of my career. And who is one local boss, babe, Anne, that inspires you daily that you think everyone should know about? Well, there, first of all, there are so many boss babes on Mill Street and mm -hmm. I haven't, uh, I haven't gotten to know them all yet, but I'm getting acquainted with them. I'm part of the, uh, the business group there. Um, I, I have gotten to know one a little bit more through the book club and that's Erica Gilmore at uh, Hummingbird Chocolate. Yes. And I don't know if, if you've um, if you've interacted with, with her in the past, but she seems to have a really interesting background and a, a cool story of how she and her husband founded the company. I'm, I'm just uh, full of admiration for everything they do uh, in support of the community, all the events that they do, and their product, of course, is just to die for we we did a um, sort of like a collaboration with them in december because books and chocolate go really well together mm -hmm. and uh there's a festival in iceland that celebrates that every december so i i uh i think erica gilmore is uh a tremendous person who has a lot of savvy and and brings a lot of knowledge to her role as a, a founder uh and owner of uh hummingbird chocolate ah oh, she's a great great boss babe to recognize and uh, and commend and i actually remember having her on i think back in 2021 if i'm not mistaken so i'd have to go okay. back in the archives but we definitely featured her but 
yeah, might have to reach out to her again and see how she's doing and get a little bit of an update. Because, yeah, I mean, like you said, chocolate and, and books go hand in hand along with a good glass of wine, Anne. Yes. I will say so oh, myself. Oh, please. <laughs> You're talking to, the, talking to the choir here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anne, thank you so much again for being a part of OB Boss Babes podcast. I really, really appreciated you taking the time out of your busy day to speak with me. And it was so great to learn all about you and your journey into entrepreneurship and, and owning this wonderful bookstore. Well, thank you so much for reaching out. I, I'm just, uh, I'm delighted to be part of the, uh, the Ottawa Valley community, to be part of Lanark and, uh, you know, to slowly consider myself as an entrepreneur. Like I still have a lot to learn and, uh, and I, I think we have so many great role models out there in the Valley and thank you for, uh, for bringing the focus to them. That's, uh, that's a great, uh, that's a great thing you're doing. Doing what I love, Anne, just like you. Yeah, we're lucky, eh? (laughs) We sure are. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of OV Boss Babes Podcast. If you like this episode and you want to see more behind the scenes, be sure to give us a follow on OV Boss Babes on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our website for more details about how you can collab and work and be featured on OV Boss Babes Podcast. Along with our brand itself, we're always open to fun collaborative opportunities. And uh, be sure to stay tuned and follow along on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this right now so that you never miss another episode because we are chock full of boss babes on OB boss babes so go back in the archives or subscribe so that you never miss another episode for another boss babe feature coming up in the next week